This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Driven by Data, the podcast, season two, powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We're delighted to bring you another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, which boasts even more data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Our aim remains the same to uncover how some of the most prominent leaders within the data analytics community tackle our industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, ideas and experience. And just as in season one, to give back to the global data and analytics community. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season two. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Zahir Karu, who is the Vice President, Chief Data and Analytics Officer of Blue Shield of California. So, Zahir, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Kyle. Great to be here. No, pleasure is all ours here. So, as you know, where we always start is by asking our guests to give themselves a, a brief introduction into their background and, and journey to date, if uh, if you'd be so kind. Yeah, absolutely. So, I would say my career has definitely not followed a straight path. Uh, <laughs> I've had the opportunity to work in multiple different industries, even in multiple different countries, but it's always been a constant theme about using data analytics to help drive business outcomes. Uh, got my start in education-wise doing a PhD in electrical engineering and computer science uh, up at MIT and then never used it at all, right? I went straight into McKinsey, uh, did management consulting, lots of different industries, lots of different types of projects, as you can imagine. Uh, Want to get my hands dirty, so ran product management at a small startup that actually tracked customers inside of retail store environments using video cameras, so where you walk and where you stop and how long you spend there. So quite fascinating in terms of that data. Uh, Briefly, also worked for Sergio Zeman, who used to be the chief marketing officer at Coca-Cola. So got to learn about growth and marketing directly from him. He had formed his own company. Uh, did another smaller startup around voice analytics, around understanding customers uh, through recordings in call centers. So what makes people upset, subject of the call, which agents are better than other agents, et cetera, and sort of ran that analytics group. So after having done that, uh, smaller startups and consulting, some bigger company experience, Sears Holdings, uh, eBay, Citibank, and then, of course, now Blue Shield California. So all of those roles have been largely around enterprise-wide data and analytics roles to help drive business performance, right? And so at Sears Holdings, for example, not doing terribly well today as a retailer, but certainly at the time was doing quite well did a lot of very interesting things around personalization, printing customized messages on the cash register receipt, uh, depending on who you are, things like that. eBay ran kind of analytics and data globally. Citibank was actually in Singapore, uh, where I was overseeing 17 different countries over there around data and analytics, and then made the move back to California about a year ago, uh, and now at Blue Shield California in the world of healthcare. So first time working in the world of healthcare. Uh, what I would say is there's certainly a lot of a lot of rich data everywhere, which is exciting. It's not particularly well organized, which is part of the challenge. But, uh, you know, the the prospect of using data and analytics to help improve people's lives is exciting. And so that's why I'm here. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, there's some very, very impressive brand names on your uh, resumes are here. So um, looking forward to kind of getting into this. So I guess, um, obviously, we've got over 13,000 subscribers to this podcast from around 116 different countries. So yep. not everyone is going to be familiar with Blue Shield of California. Yep. So just give us yep. a bit of insight into the business, who they are, what they do, etc. So Blue Shield California is uh, a health insurance company, basically, that, uh, you know, you pay premiums, you get uh, subsidized rates at uh, getting healthcare services. And our mission is to ensure that all Californians have access to high quality care when they need it at an affordable price. Right. So we very much care about uh, health equity, making sure people have access to care. They care. We care about health outcomes. And there's a variety of programs that we support to help drive you know, health overall, right? It's over 20 billion in revenue, approaching 5 million members, a highly competitive market of California, which I think if you take California by itself is actually like the fifth largest economy in the world. So uh, there's a lot of activity around here. Blue Shield California is actually uh, happened to be ranked in the Fortune top 100 companies to work for. So we're proud of that uh, as a place to be in terms of the values and the environment that we have. And certainly our values as a company are grounded in giving back to the community. I mean, so much so that we've openly declared and also executed on giving back any net income that exceeds 2% of revenue back to our members and back to the community, right? And so we are, it, that whole giving back and being part of the community is really grounded in uh, a lot of what we do. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Um, so I guess in terms of, you know, an illustrious career you've had to hear and now as you said, move back to California into the world of healthcare, which um, obviously from my experience, I know is a very rewarding place to be, right? As you very rightly said, you know, it's great to use data analytics to drive business performance, but when the performance of that business is related to something which is such a social good, right? That's That's always nice. So tell us about the kind of role and responsibility you've got in this journey then in terms of, you know, what have you been tasked with achieving? What's the kind of key milestones for you on, on this kind of, you know, journey that you're on? Yeah, absolutely. So look, the job uh, or my role here is to kind of oversee a more centralized data and analytics team, right? And I sort of have the full stack, if you will, which means the data engineering side of it that takes the data from the sources and organizes it and governs it. Uh, including analytics uh, on top of that, visualization to expose that to business users, data science to do predictive models and automation. So it's that whole stack of how can I use data analytics to accelerate outcomes? So my goal really is to understand the objectives of the business and all of my business partners, whether that's you know operations or whether that's marketing or whether that's pharmacy or whether that's, you know, care management or understand whatever those goals are and to align with them and help them achieve those goals by bringing data and analytics to the table, right? And, and, and helping them accelerate those outcomes. And so that's the way we try to set ourselves up because, you know, what good are algorithms sitting off in the corner? Like you've got to apply them and you've got to be very business focused in what you're trying to achieve. Uh, we're trying to work business backwards, not technology forward, if you will, right? So, mm. Yeah, very, very good point. Uh, I'm sure we'll kind of get into that in a, in a little while. So I guess, obviously, the topic of change and transformation is one that's um, 
hugely fascinating to me, partly because I see so many organizations get it wrong in terms of they don't start with that in mind. They often start with let's spin out a data lake or, you know, it's normally some kind of technical solution focused and then they try to navigate right. their way from there, which obviously as we all have now realized possibly the hard way and several, you know, millions of dollars later that there's, there's a, a different way that need we need to approach this. So I guess we've talking a lot about, you know, data analytics now is seen as the critical component of helping businesses to transform, to be ready for the future, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what are some of those aspects or evidence of transformation are we kind of talking about? Yeah, you know, you hear the term many times. We want to transform. Uh, we want using. We want to get on this data and analytics bandwagon, right? If you will. But what does that even mean? What does it mean to have transformed? Right? Like you need to know where you're going, otherwise you're not going to get there. Uh, and there are many dimensions to it, of course. But one, you know, a few of them that you know come to mind is one: you've got to move or have this philosophy of you're going to use data to start making decisions instead of using data to check your decision, right? Like there's lots of reports that many companies have floating around and they look at it like at the end of the month or whatever to see how they're doing. But that is not the same as having data at everybody's fingertips to help them make those decisions, right? And, you know, a lot of companies have been around for many, many years and they were doing perfectly fine with all of this fancy data analytics stuff. And now you have an opportunity to help them make those same decisions that they have always been making but do them more effectively because they now have more information at more granularity or higher velocity uh, to be able to be more effective, right? So that's one is like, do you, you know, articulate this cultural shift that you want to use data to make your decision, right? Uh, Second, I might say is, look, you you don't want to build a data warehouse, right? You want, what you want is a data engine, right? The data is not supposed to be someplace that you store and organize and you go get it once in a while when you feel like you need it. Data engine means constantly embedded through the decision making and decisions are happening ideally automatically, but certainly uh, at at surfacing the information to the humans at the right time uh, to power and accelerate the business. Right. So I think that shift or mentality is important as well. You can also tell uh, the maturity of an organization and transform during a transformation by the types of questions that keep floating around the organization like hey, give me my sales trend from last week. Okay, you know, can you tell me which types of my customers are dragging, the, you know, my growth in, you know, this area? That's a, that's a better question, right? And so the, the sophistication of the questions will start to go up once people get the basics kind of at their fingertips, right? Uh, another dimension is around experimentation. Are all of these decisions being made kind of at a gut feel or are you doing it through some, you know, experiments and testing different approaches? Or are you doing continuous experimentation and large scale experimentation? Uh, and not just experimenting at scale. And this is the hard part for many companies is not just throwing darts at the dartboards even faster, which is maybe experimenting at, at scale, but learning at scale is really the challenge, right? Like, how are you going to take the, you know, yes, you can do a thousand experiments instead of 10 experiments. And yes, you'll hit the bullseye, you know, more likely. But for those that miss the bullseye, what are you learning, right? Like, are you just randomly accelerating the volume of darts or are you actually learning from it, right? And so that's a hard one for many companies, but that's that's where you want to get to, right? And then finally, I might, you know, one of the ones I might add is, are you fully exploiting 
the concept that I'll call variability is opportunity. And what I mean by that is every customer is actually different. Everybody is not the same. You, you, if you're solving for the average, you're not fully using data to its maximum um, value. And ultimately, data is about delivering a better experience, right? And that's what it should be about. But you must first understand all of the differences between your customers and then act on those differences, right? Like when you pull up you know, your Uber app, for example, on your phone, does everybody see the exact same thing? Okay, probably not, right? Because they're using data about what you, you know, the kind of car you like or where you've been before or whatever else to help deliver a better experience for you, right? Uh, and it is, uh, it is that type of use of data that people feel like companies understand me, they're adding value back to me, uh, you know, they're not treating me like a, you know, mass marketing, one of 10,000 people get spammed with this message. That's, that's really where you're trying to get to, right? Uh, and, that these are just some aspects of what I would call what does transformation feel like, right? Uh, and it should feel like some of these things I said. Mm, yeah, really interesting. Obviously, you touched on the cultural piece, right? And obviously, there's been more than enough research now, which very clearly highlights that that whole need for change and transformation around the culture of an organization to be able to to adopt and embed these data analytics or you know data driven ways of working and thinking and mindsets and behaviors etc into the the very fabric of the business is really what often lets these initiatives down right you know the building of the technical solution which drives these initiatives so it's typically the thing that we've kind of figured out and we're quite good at but everything there that you described kind of the cultural piece spreads right across all of that even when you think about experimentation as an example right there needs to be a culture ingrained into a business that allows experimentation to happen but more importantly for learning to happen from the results of that experimentation as well how do you go about then trying to move the needle on an industry that, as you very rightly said, has used data for many, many years and businesses have, you know, operated before without necessarily, you know, being data driven and, and all the buzzwords that we hear today very successfully without it. How do you kind of make that kind of paradigm shift to get all of these components to kind of come together? Yeah, I, uh, it's it's certainly not easy. Uh, otherwise, you know, we wouldn't be having multiple podcasts about the same topic. <laughs> which, uh, but it, it is uh, there's a few pieces of you know what you need to help you kind of get going on this journey, right? Like I say, number one, is it clear in your organization who owns the truth, right? Um, because what often happens is different groups or different departments or whatever create their own versions of the truth. And if it's within your own world, it's perfectly okay. But when you start crossing boundaries, it starts getting into, well, my number doesn't match your number. And now I don't know what the right answer is anymore, right? And you spend a lot of time on that kind of work, which doesn't add any external value immediately, right? And so clarifying where is the source of truth? Who is the owner of the source of truth? And who's accountable for that? You know, and everybody can draw from it, of course, is one piece of it. Two, I think democratizing insights is critical. Like I mentioned, getting data into people's hands at their fingertips. Like you cannot become a data-driven company if every time you want information, you have to ask somebody else, right? Like it's just going to slow it down, right? Um, not, And you have to be able to get some of the things at your fingertips because what happens is, well, I could ask this other team and it might take them three or four days. Okay, forget it. I don't need it, 
right? And then you will start making decisions without data, right? Um, so how do we, you know, grease the engine, if you will, by putting data into people's hands? Uh, the third is it's important, uh, you know, the way I think about like data analytics as it sits inside of an organization is there are many gears, okay, in this big machine and data and analytics is one of these gears. But if the gears don't touch each other, the engine, nothing's going to move. Okay. And so you need translators between the business side of things and the data and analytics side of things. Many companies, and it's been said many times, okay, but they keep falling in the same trap of like hiring pure technical specialists and, and they wonder why nothing is happening. Well, it's like, I know you have a team of 20 data scientists, but who, which one of those 20 is meeting the CMO and understanding their needs. Right. And so uh, you need, Maybe some specialists, of course, but you also need these what I'll call translators that sit on the boundary that can take the business problem and turn it into an analytical approach. Uh, and recognizing that that's an important ingredient is key, not just like give me some statisticians or give me some data scientists, right? Uh, and then magic will start happening because it doesn't, right? Um, mm -hmm. So another ingredient uh, I would say is the willingness to change, right? Like, you know, it's it's you it sounds very trite and simplistic, I know, but you have to have a willingness to change because as we talked about, this company existed for a long time without this, and now you want it, but you can't want it if you're not gonna change, right? And so the whole point of having it is to actually change the way you do things, obviously for the better. And that willingness to do things differently is hard and change is hard. And we can talk more about that, of course, right? Um, but I think that's an ingredient. And then finally, I will say a recognition that data is actually a corporate asset. Data is actually everybody's job. It is not the job of the data team sitting off in the corner and it's only their job and everyone else doesn't have to worry about it, right? And so, I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, I asked somebody in you know, one of my previous jobs, like, hey, how many loans did we sell in Malaysia yesterday? as an example. And apparently the hardest part of that question was the word yesterday because the only came out in a monthly report. I'm like, what? Okay, fine. So it's like, go find out, right? Uh, and they got, you know, okay, we sold this many. Here's the number. I'm like, great. Well, give it to me by time of day. Like, well, we didn't record time of day. Like, why not? Right? Uh, because it, it doesn't matter to the salesperson's commission, for example, but it does matter to marketing and contact center and all of these other groups. And basically... The message is that you have to go beyond your own blinders to think about how data should be used, right? Yes, you can get your job done, but are you helping other people get their job done, right? And that is a cultural or behavioral thing that needs to be spread throughout the company that what matters, not just for today, for tomorrow, what matters not just to me, but to others, right? Like that, that thinking is 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 going to help everybody like at the call center that says what's the reason for this call and there's a drop down menu and they just pick the first item and say okay whatever i just want to get off the phone here that's bad right like you have to recognize that that data is valuable right and it matters right and so that's a key part of a cultural change so mm. yeah really interesting i guess the the point that you made around an organization's willingness to change is an area that fascinates me partly because yeah. obviously of what we do for a day job <laughs> we speak to so many yeah. data analytics leaders cdaos yeah. etc that um you know 12 months into an engagement are kind of like yeah this isn't what 
I was told it was going to be, you know, because yeah. there's so much lips, you know, everyone wants to be data driven, right? Everyone right. wants to be seen to have that really sure. cool badge until yeah. they realize actually what it's going to take, whether that's time, whether it's resource, whether it's cost, whether it's change and transformation yeah. itself. Um, how do you, and I'm just thinking out loud here, so here, so apologies because this is how I often get myself into trouble, but how do we, how do we decipher between businesses that are genuinely willing to change versus yeah. the ones that say they're willing to change, but when push comes to shove, they're not? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's right. Usually what happens in many situations is that the top level, people say, yep, got to change. Yep, agree. This sounds good. But when you start getting into the middle, uh, where the rubber meets the road is people don't want to do things differently, right? Because it's either they're worried about, you know, this is the only thing I know or my own job security in some way or whatever. But the, the truth is, you know, we're talking about shifting the focus of what people work on, right? Like let the machines do what machines are good at and let humans do what humans are good at, right? And and so that's, you know, change is hard, okay? Bottom line, it's not just at Blue Shield or any company for that matter. It's just part of being human. Humans don't like to change, right? It's like, hey, uh, you know, you, you need to exercise, great change like what like people you know people say it all the time right but yeah. it doesn't happen that easily and there's it's really about thinking that it's not just the quick fix right there are so many examples of the shiny object syndrome of like wow i got this glossy powerpoint from this vendor that looked good to me yeah let's just do that right and magic will happen but it it is a slow grind frankly and it starts with the foundation and recognizing that it's not going to happen overnight and it's not about a series of one-off solutions. It's about sustainable change, right? And sustainable change starts kind of at the foundational level, right? Like people's thinking and people's behavior and maybe the way you've organized yourself or whatever else. And so you, you, it's, uh, it, you know, people buy these fancy exercise machines and put them in their house and like three months later, they're hanging clothes on it, right? Like, I mean, it's not, it's not really, it doesn't happen that quickly, right? You've got yeah. to get the basics going and, you know, or businesses think they have to change by starting technology forward. Like, oh, we need some of that AI tech. Let's get some of that AI. We're like, what? What does that even mean? Right. Uh, and so, or do they, let's just build a data lake. Yeah. Our data is disorganized. Let's put it all in a big lake. It should, everything will be fine <laughs> after that. Right. Um, it's, it's really about what outcome are you trying to achieve and working backwards. Right. And so, you know, when I think about change, is this, it's almost like a bit of a playbook, right? In some way, in the sense that if you want to change, you've got to figure out what the goals actually are, right? Like, I want to lose weight. That's my goal, right? But like aligning the goal and recognizing that there are other people in the organization who are going to align with me to help achieve the same goal, right? Uh, like, you know, if the data analytics team goes around and says, well, you're, you're not doing that right and that's wrong and, you know, you're too heavy and you're too, like nothing's going to change. OK, but you have to say, I want to help you achieve your goal, alignment to the goal. OK, then step two maybe is show the stakeholders something new, something they don't know, something they haven't seen. Like, wow, did you know this one snack you're having in the afternoon is really adding a way too much disproportionate amount of calories to your, like whatever. Just show them something they don't know. Did you know that some of your prof your customers are actually unprofitable? Because when you look at your P&L statement, you don't notice, right? Like, oh, P&L made money, I'm done, right? Um, but wow, there's some people who were not making you money and some are. I didn't know that. Hmm, interesting. Uh, and then narrowing the scope down to the point 
of de-risking uh, trying something, right? Like, let's try something new. Let's try something different. Because, you know, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to achieve the exact same outcomes, right? And so now we need to do something different. But what is that? It has to be small. Don't do it on your most important customer base. Don't do it on the most important country. Don't do it on your most important product line. Whatever, like de-risk it to the point that you're willing to try it. Like, okay, you know, yeah, I don't know, but fine, I'm willing to try it, right? Take an action and then close the loop and measure. Like, let's try it. Let's just try it. We'll try two different versions of this email message, whatever, right? And let's just measure the difference and then close that loop. And then once you show that something worked, and not all experiments work, but like something worked, then people are more willing to try again, right? Like, wow, that moved in the right direction. Let's try again. And so even with those steps, there are some stakeholders that are still risk averse. They don't want to try anything new. Then there are some that are more forward leaning that are willing to try it, right? And usually in any corporate environment, there are many stakeholders. Fine. Pick the ones that you think you can make a difference on first, right? Uh, even if it isn't the most pressing one, you, the objective is to get momentum. So find something, make something happen, you know, and then the water cooler talk starts. Wow, I use that data analytics team and I got some good results. Really? Well, well what'd you do? Like, I, and it just, it will start spreading, right? Um, from that, but it's a slow process and hopefully accelerates. And, you know, the thing about change is it is, and what's really important to collectively keep in mind is that it's always easy or possible, it's a bit of an exaggeration, but always possible to do anything once, right? Like, let's try two different versions of this email message. You can, you know, manually stitch it together, make it happen, send it. Wow, that one did better. That's great. Now do it for every one of the 600 emails we send every week. Like, okay, wait a minute, right? I didn't think about that, right? And so change has to be sustainable. You can't just change, give them a taste and then disappear. Like what? You have to be able to think in advance of how are you going to scale this? Don't start it if you can't scale it. That's what I would say, right? Um, and that, and so you got to keep it simple. People, if you're giving somebody more work to do, they don't want to do it. They're not going to change for sure, right? How are you making it easier for them? How are you going to allow them to achieve their goals more effectively, right? So that's uh, that's a key piece. Absolutely, yeah. I, I like the fitness analogy because I think artificial intelligence or the word the buzzword of artificial intelligence is almost in the fitness industry the same as the diet fad pill right you know it's <laughs> yeah. it's kind of it's kind of like right it's, i need to i need to get yeah, yeah yeah exactly i need to get fitter i want to lose weight okay fundamentally if you want to do that you need to start to strip everything back and think about your mindset towards how you eat how you sleep what yeah. exercise you do, etc. Yeah. There's a there's a foundational and fundamental shift that needs to happen if you are yeah. going to do that and do it sustainably, right? But That's I right. think you know. But often, as with exercise, people go, "Well, you know, give me these fat burning pills, and then you know, fingers crossed, and hope for the best." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of the same here, right? Yeah, I did uh, my my master's thesis on electrical stimulation of muscles, right? Getting paraplegics actually walking across the room, totally fascinating work, and did a lot of. Uh, experiments on my own legs and made them flop around and all kinds of stuff right uh, but uh, you know what's interesting is like i saw these ads like around that time like okay just put these electrical stimulators on your abdomen and you'll get a six-pack when you just shoot some electricity into your like like no that's not how it works you know it's like 
you know, I know you think that you're going to solve it by sitting in your chair with some electricity sitting around, <laughs> but it's not going to work. Yeah. And, you know, like, and, you know, are you going to go buy, I mean, not to pick on Peloton, right? But like, go buy some fancy machine, or maybe you should just start with 10 push ups in the morning, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, just, just start, okay? But you have to start small and uh, accelerate from there. So, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I guess in terms of, we know now, right? We know that change and transformation is an absolute key critical component to just doing this right. Because, you know, if you focus on just what, if you focus on just the technology or just the process or just the people, yeah. like it needs yeah. to be everything, but the change and transformation piece kind of underpins all of this. Um, why do you think that most organizations very rarely start there? Because what I see often is they'll roll out this new data analytics initiative it'll flop miserably and then they go all oh, right okay so we need to we need to change the culture and then there's yeah. this kind of forced program that goes into getting people to change and it's really obvious what's happening and everyone still rebels against it yeah yeah well you know uh like we talked about data analytics is often a new thing right for a company like companies were doing their thing I mean, of course, they were using data in their own way, right, and doing their thing. But this is supposed to be an accelerant, right? And when people uh, say, like, okay, we need to be data-driven, we need to, you know, do some AI, get me an AI person, right? Like, then they end up hiring this pure technologist, largely, right? And what they need instead, okay, is a bit of a change agent, right? Not the technology is not the barrier, right? I mean, it might be a piece of the answer, but it's not the barrier, right? Uh, and so... The, the barrier is driving change. Like I tell everybody on my team, your job actually has three different parts uh, and maybe somewhat equal parts. Uh, one, yes, you got to solve the problem, do the analysis, build the predictive model, do the whatever, integrate the data. Yes, there's an aspect of the technology part of it, right? But the part two is communications. Like if you cannot clearly communicate what you did or why you did it or what the outcome was of doing it, nobody's going to listen to you, right? Uh, and and being able to clearly articulate the so what of what you've done is a key skill, right? And, you know, very technology-oriented people, like data analytics people, often want to talk about the methods that they use, right? Well, I did this, and I did this, you know, gradient descent model, and I did that. And I'm like, nobody actually cares, frankly, right? Uh, they really care about the outcomes, right? And what are you doing for me? What'd you do for me? I don't care how you did it. So you got to get into the what and not the how. But if you're not careful, you're hire, you're hire people who care about the how. Look at this cool, cool new technology stack or look at this cool new predictive model I built. Or like, If it's not aligned to a what then, and aligned to somebody's goals, like the best way to drive change is to make somebody else a hero, right? I worked with you. I helped you achieve what you were trying to achieve and half the time you were trying to achieve it. Great. I'm calling you again, right? And so, like, and then it just builds up on that. And so that that thinking about all three pieces of those puzzle, right? Like, part uh, let's see, I did part one is the technical, part two is the communications, right? But part three is change management, right? And recognizing that part of your job is change, right? These people were doing things without you. You can't just show up and expect them to do something differently without really stepping into their shoes and thinking about change management. You're asking that, and you you know that your method will add value. Now, how do you convince somebody to change, right? 
like we talked about some of it, de-risk it, try it small, you know, get on the same page, be willing to do less than perfect things in the, in the, with the mission of driving some change. Right. Um, and you know, it's not as good as it could be. That's okay. Just let it go. Right. Like, but getting forward momentum is the key. Right. Uh, and so that's the key. And like, sometimes, you know, you'll hire a very brand name person from a brand name place and there's just a gear mismatch between where the organization is and where the person wants to operate, right? And uh, you have to, the data and analytics leader needs to be able to operate at multiple gears, right? Like you got to take it way back down to first gear if you need to, right? So you can get back up into sixth gear, right? And so like, how do you do that uh, and bring people along? Uh, because otherwise it's just going to be tissue rejection, right? Organ rejection, you know, like, and you got to be careful of that. So Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I guess um, I think I know what you're going to say here, because obviously there's a there's a very consistent theme here around the messaging, which I, I really love. But I guess there's enough debate that goes on in our industry, right, around the fact that now, uh, you know, my view on this and the reason I'm asking you is that I've been challenged actually on this podcast by people saying, well, I'm not too sure that's the case. But I think broadly speaking, more times than not, you will get most people will be able to sit here and if they were sat in this room with us now would be able to say something along the lines of yes of course you start with the business problem the challenge or the opportunity and then you work backwards right my view is that that very rarely happens but as I said, I've been challenged on this podcast to say, actually, I don't think most people do think like that. I think that's how the data community thinks people think, <laughs> but the reality is is different. So I'd be keen to get your thoughts on kind of what you think around that, you know, the whole, because we, we talk about it a lot, right? You know, you start with a business challenge or yeah. opportunity, work backwards. Yeah. It seems really logical, really simple, yet evidently yeah. it doesn't happen that way. Well, you know, one way to help you know, uh, move that direction or help make it happen is let's think about, you know, the analytics team as a whole, assuming it's kind of centralized in one place. Um, you know, what are the, what are their goals? What is the goal of an analytics team? Right. Like, you know, if you had to rate or, you know, do the annual assessment, et cetera, about their employees, like how do you know things went well? Right. And so the way that I, you do that is that I'm, I've done it in the past and doing, trying to do again here at Blue Shield is, okay, first of all, align people to different areas of the business. Okay. You folks are marketing, you folks are operations, you folks are claims, you folks, like align people to different groups. And then you ask them, uh, okay, what is, what is the goal of the pharmacy organization this year? Right. There are business goals. They exist. Whether the data analytics team exists at all, the business goals always exist, right? Whether you're there or not. So, Find out what their goals are. I need to grow this many, you know, membership, or I need to cut these costs, or I need to expand into these areas, whatever those are, right? And then I say, great. Then I turn to the analytics team and say, those goals are your goals, period, right? So if that doesn't force them to start thinking about the business problem, then I don't know what does, right? Like because <laughs> um, because like, yeah, but we don't control AB. Like I know you don't control, you know, the website. But your goal is to drive engagement. So go work with the people who do control the website and go drive engagement, right? And go partner with them and ask them, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Let's work on solving that problem because the problem they're trying to solve is exactly related to the goal that have been set out to achieve, right? And that's how you 
at least start to think about being business backwards. Like, why am I here? What am I doing? Right. And because you're trying to achieve a goal and that goal is a business problem. And that's how you start working backwards. Right. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I mean, obviously, in our line of work, we see we've seen a, a monumental shift in what people and this is across all levels, but what people um, are now looking for in terms of a, a new opportunity. And often that comes back to something along the lines of them wanting their work to be visible, valued and impactful because yeah. they've almost yeah. been they've almost been burnt by organizations that have said, you know, we have data driven or whatever the case may be. And that's actually not transpired to be the case, but the context yeah. around how they spend their time is really important, right? Because it's almost sometimes being this conveyor belt of projects, a production line almost, you know, a project comes yeah. in, there's no context yeah. around why you're doing it. You get told yeah. to do something, you do it to the best of your know-how and knowledge and capability with the limited information you've got. It goes off into the ether and no one knows whether it was good, yeah. bad, ugly, used, or whatever the case may be. And that's a, yeah. a great example of, of kind of what you're saying there, right? You need to get out into the business, partner with them, understand yeah. that problem, understand that challenge, because it's almost impossible for a data analytics team to deliver really great work without any of that information, right? You know, they, yes, yeah. they could spin up a solution, but unless they know really why and are able to ask better questions, as to your point earlier, um, it's really difficult to do, right? That's right. That's right. No, it, it's, uh, you know, sometimes people ask questions like, okay, so what's your intake process? I'm like, what are you even talking about? Like, what intake process, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, like, you know, uh, how do you choose among the, you know, matching demand and supply or, you know, what, like the, the that line of questioning centers around somebody writing down their requirements, throwing it over the wall and hoping somebody answers the question. Right. Which is, in my mind, not the way to operate at all. Right. Uh, the, the way to operate is you embed people in the business. Uh, and like I tell my people, like, are you going to that person's staff meeting? What do you mean you're not? Why aren't you going to that person's staff meeting? You're on the team. Right. Go over there and be in that staff meeting. Understand what problems they're trying to solve and contribute to the outcomes. Right. Uh, and and that that is what you need to get done is be forward facing, be business minded, not like, well, I'm I'm waiting for the query request to come across the email so I can you know respond to it. Like what? Like that. Like and to your point, if you don't know the problem you're trying to solve, then, you know, you're not really adding value because you did it one way because that's maybe the way they asked you. But if you had actually known the problem, you would have done it a different way, right? Uh, and it's not, this analytics world is not that different than, you know, IT as a whole in general, right? In terms of, okay, I'll write my requirements, I'll give it to IT, they'll give me a cost and a time, and they'll say, you know, $2 million, six years, and whatever. Like, I mean, so that it's, it's if, but if IT was invited into the room way earlier into the process, they would have realized that maybe there's a different way to do it. And if, or if they, you know, you solve problem one, and then later you ask them problem two and you're like, oh, if I'd known this was problem two, I would have done problem one differently. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> like you just got to get into the into the mix. Right. And work cross functionally yeah. is a key part of this. So. so there's something here that kind of ties a few points together for us here that I kind of want to touch. And obviously we hear which relates to this point. We're here in the industry around, you know, that exact situation and scenario that you've just uh, outlined there as an example, you know, kind of technically right but effectively wrong in terms of, you know, you can build, you know, whatever you might, someone's looking for a dashboard, 
if you don't have that context and you don't know the problem or the challenge or whatever you're trying to help them with, you can build something that technically is exactly what they asked for, but it's not going to get used because it's not what they wanted, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right? Well, it requires too much of a burden on the asker to ask it correctly. Right. Like, yeah. um, because, and it's, you don't, you know, I, I remember, you know, when I was interviewing, for example, somebody asked me, how are you going to help the business write better requirements? I actually thought it was a ridiculous question, right? Um, because I don't actually want your requirements. I want your business problem, right? And we will help translate the problem into whatever it takes to get that done, right? Um, but you shouldn't have to think through like, okay, I need you to build a predictive model with the following inputs and I need it up like, what? Like, you don't need to say all that, right? Like, I need you to tell me what problem you're trying to solve, right? And so... That's where we need to get to. And that it's that interaction between the business and this team that is critical, right? Uh, and how do you, like the engine analogy we talked about before, like you need the gears to talk to each other, right? They need to touch each other. They can't just be separate and talk, speak different languages, right? And so that's what we need. 100%. So I guess we've started to creep into this then, but I'm keen to get your thoughts with, you know, a, a bit of an example, if you're able to share around kind of team structure and reporting lines, because obviously every organization is different. Everyone's got a different view on what's right, what's wrong. And, and yeah. that's, all, that's wildly subjective to the industry, the size of the organization, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But just talk us through how, you know, reporting lines and team structures play a part in the ability to drive change. Yeah. Look, especially at earlier stages of transformation, I strongly believe in sort of this centralized but embedded model, right? Where you don't have everyone go hire your own analytics team and sometimes you have blind leading the blind going on, right? Uh, and so you need some expertise. You have to recognize that it's some expertise and, and you're going to try to get, bring it together. But you don't want some big amorphous blob that says, well, I don't know if they're going to help me because they're just, you know, maybe they're working on somebody else's problem. You need people embedded and dedicated to different parts of the business, right? And like the easiest analogy that I can think of is like I have an HR business partner, for example, that helps me with all things HR related. Uh, in the background supporting them, they have all kinds of HR specialists like compensation or employee relations or talent acquisition or whatever. But they're my HR partner. They bring the specialists to the table when they need to. But that HR person doesn't report to me, right? I'm not off hiring my own HR person, right? And so when analytics is set up, like we want to give you your point person, your analytics person, you don't need to go off and hire your own analytics team, right? We'll bring all the expertise into the table. Uh, and so the way I think about this is more centralized, but hybrid in the sense that there's embedded people, right? Uh, in different parts of the team. I think about it as like verticals and horizontals. So verticals are people dedicated to different parts of the business, your pharmacy, your claims, your marketing, your operations, your whatever. Those are the verticals. And, you know, those are the people that you see and touch on a regular basis. And then there's horizontals that are specialists or capability builders that touch all the different verticals. Like predictive modeling is something that touches could touch multiple verticals, right? Or the art of visualization could touch multiple verticals or data engineering. Uh, how to organize data or data governance or, you know, any of these things, there are many of these horizontals. And so I've organized my team that way. There are some verticals and you're either in a vertical and you can decide which vertical you're in and or you're in a horizontal and your job is to build and advance the capability, right? And so bringing all of that together, I think is the right way, especially in earlier stages to really drive change because one, 
you know, you get consistency of quality, if you will. You get interaction between different areas because if you're completely distributed, you're probably solving the same problem multiple times, right? Um, and so how do you avoid that by sharing across, creating common view of customer that everybody draws from, for example, instead of everybody recreating their own view of the customer? And so there's a lot of value in getting it fully together. Now, if you go all the way to Bright and maybe fully, uh, more fully mature companies, they have maybe things more distributed, right? But they're at the point where they already know what good looks like and they know how to operate that way, right? And so in earlier stages, I think people don't know what they don't know. And so it's better to kind of keep it together, operate, I'll call it two in a box. There's a business partner and there's an analytics person and they're two in the box on the same objective, right? And they are working together to achieve the same outcomes. Uh, and, and, you know, that's the right, the right way, if you will, to, to do it. They're aligned to that person's goals. They're, you know, they get reviewed by those business people as well. Like, hey, you know, was that a good partner with like, was my HR partner good? Well, I, I review them, right? And so uh, it, it is about setting it up that way, I, I think is, is I, I strongly believe that that's the right way to do it. And I've done it a few times in the past at different companies and I've seen it work. Yeah, agreed. And I think that's quite a, quite a popular model because it almost gives you the the best of both worlds, right? You know, right. some kind of quality assurance around the general rigor of the capability, but then yeah. just get into the detail of the specialists within yeah. the, the domains, right? And, and, you know, just to build on that slightly is there, there needs to be a recognition that it takes more than one skill to solve the problem. It's not like, okay, I'm just going to hire a data scientist and that's all I need. No, you probably need a data engineer. You might need some visualization work. You might need some governance work. You might need some other analytics. Work. Like you need lots of different things. Why would you want to recreate that set of skills in every pocket of the company, right? Yeah. Um, you know, why, why would you want to do that, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so last couple of questions here, because I'm conscious of your time and uh, I'm sure that you want to get your morning started on the, uh, on the West Coast. But um We've been speaking a lot lately. So obviously we host various events every quarter in different parts of the world. And one of the one of the topics that's come up, which is kind of related to what we're discussing here, but you know, twofold, I guess really, is this notion of the products and solutions that data analytics teams deliver back to the business. Um, is the 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 premise and the concept of adoption, which really is what kind of underpins all of this change and transformation, right, within the business user community. Like you, we want them to be adopting what we're building because that's then an indication of change in the right direction. Um, yep. Is that driven by the culture of the business or is it driven by maybe the fact that the way we design these products and solutions back to kind of what we were discussing before, because we're not designed, you know, the, this is kind of a lack of design thinking, maybe if we want yep. to kind of call it that yep. towards that solution, keen to get your thoughts. I'm, I'm sure it could be completely subjective and maybe even both, but um, keen to hear. No, you uh, well, it, it probably is some of both, like you said, but the primary burden of ensuring adoption are the people developing, it falls on the people developing the solutions. Okay. And I'll give you an example. You know, when I first got to my previous job, everything was monthly Excel reports. Crazy, right? Like, I mean, they didn't even have Tableau. I'm like, what? What's happening here? And so, <laughs> like, and so, what I we we started to, of course, get to single source of truth and start building some dashboards to expose the data to the business. I measured success uh, of that initiative and of any individual dashboard, for example, 
by usage. You know, if people were using it, they liked it. If they didn't like it, they wouldn't use it. And whose fault was it? It was our team's fault that they weren't using it, right? Because you either have not provided the information that they care about, or you've made it so complex for them to use, they don't feel like using it, right? Um, so this goes back to change. You're trying to drive change. You're like, hey, you should be looking at this thing every day to help you run your business. It's a change. But if you make it hard for them to do that, like, oh, well, here's a nice dashboard with 42 drop-down menus. It'll answer any question <laughs> you want. Like, what? Like, nobody's going to use it, okay? They won't touch it. And so how do you drive change? And a, a, a measure of whether you're driving change is like exactly like you said, adoption, right? Is it even being used, right? Is it being implemented? And so you got to get in the person's shoes and try to understand how to make it, how to make the change small enough so they start adopting it, right? And then you start moving from there. So I don't, I don't blame, you know, you can't, it's easy to say, well, you know, our culture doesn't want to adopt new things like that. That's, yeah, maybe. But the real problem is you haven't made it easy. You haven't made it easy for them to adopt these things, right? Uh, you know, how do you make it easy for me to, you know, exercise every day, right? Like, oh, I got to drive 20 minutes to the gym. <laughs> okay, maybe not. I don't know, right? Like, how do you make it easy for me to do it, right? Uh, and having the mentality of my goal is to make things as simple as possible. I will hide all of the complexity from you, okay? Simple doesn't mean, you know, simplistic, okay? Simple just means simple to use, right? And, and but it can be powerful in the back end. Uh, and so, you know, I'm gonna show you this score, one number on the screen that helps you understand whether you're at risk or not, but there's a massive neural network model or whatever behind it, it doesn't matter, right? Like, how do you make it easy for people to act on information that's what I think is key. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, if you'd be so kind, what tips have you got around how to kind of balance the relationship between driving change and transformation, but also um, trying to, you know, stay cutting edge or, you know, innovation, basically? How do you kind of marry those two? What, what is that relationship like? So maybe the way I think about it is the change is the what. Like, what are you trying to change? Is the what? The innovation is the how. You know, while occasionally you can start with some innovative thing and then figure out how to use it, more often than not, you, you start the other way, which is like, what are we trying to change? Yeah, I can use tried and true methods. Maybe I can use this new method. Okay, what, like, but that, that, all of that is a how, right? Like, and, you know, setting up a separate team that says, okay, you're the innovation team and you're supposed to go innovate. What does that even mean, first of all? Like, I mean, and what does that mean? Everyone else is the status quo team and this is the innovation team? Like, I don't I, I don't understand that kind of setup necessarily, right? Everybody should be innovative. Absolutely. There's no reason why you should keep using the exact same methods to solve the problem because methods change over time. There's new technology solutions, new programming languages, new automations, new whatever. But all of that, yes, you got to keep your finger on the pulse because you don't want to get caught using an old method when you could have done a new method with that would have done in one tenth the time. But whether it's old or whether it's new, it's the same what. They both are solving the same problem, right? Um, so it's, and so that's the way I view the interplay between change and innovation. Nice, nice. Well, Zaheer, look, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, a long time coming, I know, and I uh, apologize for the uh, for, for that. But uh, I guess to finish, what's your kind of immediate to near term focus? 
yeah. what's going on in your world? Well, you know, lots of things. And the biggest challenge in the world of data analytics is prioritizing what to, what to work on, of course, right? <laughs> um, but uh, uh, we're early earlier stages on a cloud transformation. So there's a lot of work partnering with my enterprise architecture folks and others in the organization about getting the data into the cloud. We don't want to do just a copy paste. We're trying to actually rethink our data pipeline as part of that transformation. Uh, that's one. Two, and hiring is very much top of mind for me, right? Uh, it's relatively new in my role here. Now I've really got to put in some key leaders uh, at top, right? Uh, people who, as we've talked about, are both business-minded, but also analytically-minded, right? And data-oriented. So I've, I have several roles I'm trying to fill. So that takes a chunk of my time. Uh, and then, you know, specifically on advancing on some of this transformation work, it's uh, making sure we can trust our data. So what are some of the data quality rules I'm going to put into place to make sure that what is getting produced as part of the pipeline is can be trusted. You know, the worst situation is when the business person calls me and says, there's something wrong with the data. I'm like, how could they possibly know before I know? Like that, that, that situation needs to be turned around its head, right? And so that's an, you know, there's some work on the kind of data management hygiene, I'll call it. And then also insights democratization is a, is a big focus of mine and trying to put that data in people's hands, right? And say, you know, these questions you should answer yourself. Like you don't need to be asking me these questions. I know that you can't answer them yourself because you don't have those easy to use tools that we'll monitor adoption on. Okay, but I'm going to try to push those things out so that we can create the oxygen within our own team to work on some of the harder problems, if you will, right? The things that you can't answer just by looking at a dashboard, right? That's the real value of what an analytics team can do is tell me something I don't know, right? Tell me something where I can add value show me how to add that value, not, you know, answer the questions I could have answered myself, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Well, look, if anyone uh, who's listening to this wants to reach out, you know, is interested in working with you, for you, wants to yeah. discuss anything that you, they've heard today, yeah. what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, you know, link, LinkedIn is an easy way, right? I'm the yeah. only Zohar Karu on there, I'm pretty sure. So uh, <laughs> you, you can uh, you can find me there. Uh, or you can send me an email, of course, it's just zohair.karu at blueshieldca.com. So. Perfect. Well, Zohair, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. And uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing how your journey unfolds. Absolutely. Right. It's been a pleasure, Kyle. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, Please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week. Bop bop